Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. But when your religion is all religion, is all form and all ritual and no life, then it ends dead ended. You see, they had taken the life of God and destroyed it with rules and regulation. You can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't. And pretty soon they were abusing it and taking the money and filling their pockets. So they came that day to make sure that this Jesus on the cross was going to die. Because see, when Jesus came, he brought life. I mean, isn't it amazing that you can be excited about going to church? When you've heard a story so many times, it almost begins to lose its meaning. But there are some events that stay vivid and true no matter how many times you hear them. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, it was emotional, spiritual, and physical turmoil. When we consider everything he was facing and his reactions to all of it, it would be unbelievable if he weren't the perfect Messiah. Jesus endured taunting and beatings as he suffered, all of which he could have stopped at any moment, but he never lashed out. Could we do the same? No. It puts his gift into perspective when you see that without it, we'd have no hope. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verse 21, for part one of our message entitled, Open Access. Come on in. A Jewish father was concerned about his son who had been a year away from his bar mitzvah, but he really didn't have any knowledge of his Jewish faith. So to remedy this, that the Jewish father decided to send his son to Israel to experience his heritage. A year later, the young man returned home after experiencing Israel for a year, and He said, Father, thank you for sending me to the land of my fathers. It was wonderful. It was enlightening. However, I must confess, while I was there in Israel, I was converted to Christianity. The father replied, what have I done? So in the tradition of the patriarchs, he went to his best friend, who was also Jewish, and sought his advice and his comfort. The friend said, it's amazing that you should come to me. Just two years ago, I sent my son to Israel, and he returned as a Christian also. So in the tradition of the patriarchs, they only had one person to go to for comfort, and that was the rabbi. So they went to their local synagogue to the rabbi. The rabbi said, it's amazing you should come to me. I too sent my son to Israel, and he also returned a Christian. What is happening to our sons? The rabbi said, brothers, we must take this to prayer, to God, the Almighty, in prayer. So they fell on their knees and began praying out to God, pouring their hearts out, asking why this happened. As they were praying, the clouds opened up, and a mighty voice said, amazing that you should come to me. I too sent my son to Israel. God sent his son to Israel. Why? 
Not to learn the nature, not to learn the history, but this morning you'll see to provide only that which God's Son can do. Let's look at verse 20. By the way, there's five words I want you to learn as we go through this. Five words. Sin, barrier, payment, freedom, and choice. We'll repeat those as we go through. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. Jesus leaves Pilate's judgment hall, which is just previous to these verses, where he has been beaten, as you've seen this morning, and he heads down the way of sorrows, the streets of Jerusalem. He's on his way to the crucifixion. In those days, a condemned man would always carry the crossbeam of the cross. Not the whole cross, just that crossbeam. It probably would weigh somewhere close to 100 pounds. Well, on that particular day, Jesus started out carrying this, but he was so weak from being flogged and beaten, the Bible records that he stumbled and fell. Verse 21 says, And a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country. And they forced him to carry the cross. Now you remember that Israel was under the domination politically of Rome. The Roman soldiers could force them to do whatever they wanted at any time. And here's Simon, who it says is from Cyrene, which was in North Africa. It's probably from a Jewish settlement in North Africa. And he had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. As he's there, his day, interestingly, is totally interrupted. Nothing that he planned for that day is going to go like he thought, especially because of this moment. It's interesting how God can take any part of our day and just change it and capture it. History seems to show us that this interruption was really positive, although Simon initially probably thought, what is this? What am I doing? He may not even understood who Jesus was, but he had to carry that crossbeam. Now, in Romans 16.13, we won't turn this morning, just write that down, we find that this interruption probably was very beneficial, again, to Simon. Because later in the book of Romans, Paul writes about two guys, two sons, and their name, well, you see them in verse 21, Alexander and Rufus. They were well known in the Christian community. So it looks like from us that when Simon got connected with the cross of Jesus, that somehow in his life he became converted to Christianity, and his two sons later become active in Christianity. Never complain or get bent out of shape about God's interruptions in your life. Oh, I don't like the way this... Just relax. Romans says all things work together for good to those that love God. So when there's an interruption in your life... Something doesn't go the way you think it should go. Relax. God knows how to take all of those things and work them out together. Verse 22, And they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha. Near Jerusalem, right outside the city wall, there is a small hill that looks actually like a skull. In the Hebrew, it was called Golgotha, the, the place of the skull. In Latin, the word is Calvary. Calvary Chapel. The exact location is debated today, and that's not important for us. The important thing is what happened there, whether it was in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre or Gordon's Calvary. Verse 23, And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. 
but he did not take it. If any of you have been in a hospital and had surgery or you've had friends in hospice or whatever, you know that when narcotics are given, they're given to relieve pain. This was what the myrrh was. It was given routinely to those that were crucified so that their pain would be lessened. But you also know that when you give a narcotic, it doesn't only reduce the pain, but it clouds your sensorium. You don't think right. You don't think straight. And that's why kids abuse drugs, because they get this false high and they really don't care. Well, Jesus, it was given to him. One of the other Gospels says he tasted it and he refused it for one reason. Because Jesus did not want his mind to be clouded. He wanted to have a clear mind of what was taking place with him on the cross. And the reason for that is this. Many people think that Jesus died because of crucifixion. No, Jesus died during crucifixion. He yielded his life to God. He didn't die from the crucifixion. He would have eventually. But he died of a broken heart and gave himself to God. Now, here's some homework for you this week. It's good for you to study some other passages in the Bible, especially if you have kids or whatever. I encourage you to write this down. Just this week, take a look at Psalm 22. Psalm 22 and all the verses. And just compare all the things that are predicted about what's going to happen to Jesus and actually what happens to Jesus. And Psalm 22 is written more than a thousand years before Jesus was even born at this particular place. So it's important for you to look at that. And one of the things in Psalm 22:18 it says this, They divided my garments among them, and they cast lots from my clothing. Well, where do we see that? Well, what do you see in verse 24? And they crucified him doing what? Dividing up his clothes, and they cast lots to see what each would get. So crucifixion was a feared and shameful form of execution. It was built by the Romans, designed by the Romans, and hated because it was so crude. Verse 25, and it was the third hour, or nine o'clock in the morning, when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews... And they crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Now the Romans, as custom, would take a person, condemned man, and they would write on a little board what his charge was, why he died. Pilate wrote this notice in Aramaic and Latin and Greek for the different people that would walk through, each knowing their own language, And Mark says the only charge against him simply was this, the king of the Jews. Jesus was never convicted of the crimes. Pilate tried every way possible to get Jesus off from this capital punishment, except by being honest and standing against the Jews, because politically, Pilate wanted to please them. So when Pilate did this, Pilate hated the Jews, And most people think he put this wording up there as an insult to the Jews, the Jewish leaders, the king of the Jews. Look at him, the king of the Jews. Now, some Bible translations do not include verse 28, but I'm going to give it to you from the New King James. And it says this, And he was numbered with the transgressors. Whether that was originally in Mark's or one of the other Gospels, it doesn't matter because it does come from a prophecy in Isaiah 53, 12. That's exactly what it means. And what Scripture says back in Isaiah, that he would be numbered among the transgressors. What does that mean? 
Well, you just read that when Jesus died, when he was on the crucified, on the cross, he didn't die alone. He had somebody on his right and somebody on his left, two thieves. So you see prophecy all the way through the Bible relating to what indeed took place to Jesus Christ. Verse 29. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. <laughs> Come down from the cross and save yourself. You see, crucifixion, it's hard for us to understand, was not a private thing. It was a public thing. You can picture this being the place of crucifixion, and it could be just many, many crosses there, and you'd bring that cross beam and put it down and those stakes that were already in the ground. And then crucifixion usually lasts two, three, four days. It was a long, drawn-out death. And people would come from everywhere just buying and laughing and, and joking along with the family and friends who were obviously crying and mourning. But as that took place, we see here that people came... They may not even known who Jesus was, but they'd probably heard some things like this. You know, he, he did miracles. He healed people. And since they'd never seen any of those, the kind of things they would say would be exactly this. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Okay, I heard about all these miracles. Prove me once. Get off the cross. If you're so powerful, come on, do it. Now, if you're Jesus and you're on the cross and you know you have all the power of God, that in an instant, you could toast all those turkeys. Would it tempt you? Oh no, I'm mild-mannered. I don't think so. You'd like to say, toast one, boom, gone, wouldn't you? You know, we read that statement and go, a big deal for Jesus. I mean, we had no choice. We'd stay there. He could have done anything, solved, but he didn't. Now, where did he solve not responding back to these insults and getting off the cross. Where did he make that determination that he would not, that he was going to go through Calvary? Where did he make that determination? We read about it in the garden. You see, he made a determination privately that he was going to stand for God. Let me say something to you. If you don't make a determination in the mornings, students, Business people, if you don't make a determination in the morning in your quiet time to serve God, you're going to have a great difficulty during the day because the enemy's out looking to destroy you. You need to make a determination in the morning, whatever takes place today, I'm going to serve God. Everything's going to be fine with me. You need to make that determination, and Jesus made it. So it was not a problem then because he'd already set his mind toward Calvary. It was going to take place, and he did that privately. Not publicly, but privately. Now let's look at the next thing that happens in verse 31. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he cannot save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And it says those crucified with him, meaning the other two thieves, the two thieves are on him on the right and the left, also heaped insults. On him. So Mark records that the religious leaders begin to mock Jesus also. They had come to make sure of one thing. They wanted to make sure Jesus died. You see, religion had become their only source 
of any kind of power and any kind of money. Now think about religion. What is religion? Religion is man trying to be good enough to reach God through good works. I'm going to talk to you about religion for a few moments this morning. Religion is always a dead end. It will never, ever produce fruit in your life. So the Jewish religion had become so ritualistic and so full of form, and there's nothing wrong with ritual and form. We have it this morning. We're quiet, we're listening to one person, and later we worship, and we do it. We, there's nothing wrong with that. But when your religion is all religion, is all form, and all ritual, and no life, then it ends dead-ended. You see, they had taken the life of God and destroyed it with rules and regulation. You can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't. And pretty soon they were abusing it and taking the money and filling their pockets. So they came that day to make sure that this Jesus on the cross was going to die. Because, see, when Jesus came, he brought life. I mean, isn't it amazing that you can be excited about going to church? Isn't it? That's right. You know, we have people come, and they'll say after coming a few weeks, I can't believe it, I I like going to church. What do you mean you can't believe it? Well, why? Because we've been used to what? Religion. And there's no life in religion. So when Jesus came, he healed people, he saved people, he restored families, people were raised from the dead. I mean, all kinds of things happened. And religion versus a relationship with God, man, does it show big time. And these guys were concerned. So they said, if we kill him, it'll end it all. They didn't have a clue, did they? Now, let me talk about religion. Much of our world this morning is still filled with religion. Good people going to good churches, but in the church, they don't even hear the gospel message. They don't even believe in the Bible. They're doing lots of good things, but they don't know Jesus Christ. And religion is always dead-ended. Paul said it a long time ago in 1 Corinthians. He said it something like this. If Jesus isn't raised from the dead, if that isn't true, here's what he says. What are you doing sitting here? Go home, get a latte, sit down, read the newspaper, have a ball. Kids, what the heck are you doing in church? You're wasting your time. That's what Paul said. If Christ isn't risen from the dead, we have no hope. This is a total waste. This is a game. This is a farce. What in the heck are we doing here? So let's stop and think about it. These are pastors who on Sunday and Sunday and Sunday are teaching. I don't know what they're teaching. But if they're not teaching the Word of God, then it's all dead-ended. And what happens If you're in this church, I'm one of those that doesn't teach that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. What are you learning? What are you learning that's going to change your life? What are you teaching your children that's going to change their life? Nothing. Now, here's the problem. Many of those people that are out here, and they're sitting here just like you and I, they're sitting right here in these seats, they're hearing this, and this is the pastor. So they're what? Believing what? The pastor, because they don't bring their Bible. Many of you went to church all your life and you never bring your Bible. Well, what in the world are you studying? Well, we have a hymn book. Well, big deal. We don't have hymn books here. So you got to bring your Bible. What are we supposed to be studying? If you don't study the Bible, what are you going to study? You're going to study this, religion. And religion is always dead-ended. Now you go, wow, big deal. What's happening here? Here's what's happening. Those people are deceived and they live next door to you and they work with you and they're in your school in your classrooms and they're going to church many of them are good people 
They're wonderful neighbors. They probably are better than you are as a neighbor. Shame on us. They give money. They tithe. They have a nice church building. They have church bazaars. They come. They worship. They do all these things. But they're lost without God. Should we care? Well, we voice it nice here. But how many of us will care enough to be here and to pray for our lost? Well, I don't have any on my street. Right. You, you see, with the answer that I just got from you. Oh, sure, Pastor Mark. I mean, that's the answer you want, isn't it? I care. You see, if you care, but you don't pray, listen. Religion. Useless. Why should we ever say to people, you got to be here for prayer? That's foolish in a church. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Because your mouth doesn't match our heart. If I care, I'm praying. I'm concerned. I have some energy in me. I realize that all of those lovely people around me, and some of you here this morning, don't know Jesus Christ. And you're going to see, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you die, and they're separated from God forever. That's the truth. And nobody wants to say it. That's why we study the cross. Jesus didn't go to the cross for religious people. The religious people there had their own answer. He wanted to show them there was an alternative. And it's him. And it's Jesus Christ. People want to know God. They want to know that there's an answer for their marriage, for their divorce, for their separation, for their drugs, for their high school life, their college life, that there's some answer, there's some sense to life. Where are they going to find it? You're going to find it in Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 33. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. Man, is that a picture of America today? You see, when you see darkness, darkness means sin. When you see light, light means God. So from this time at the sixth hour until the ninth hour, from noon to three, it became dark over the whole land. How did that happen? Well, you say, well, there's an electrical storm, all the lights went out. 2,000 years ago? Well, everybody blew their torch out. At 12 noon? No, it was from God. It was supernaturally from God. That's why he picked 12 to 3. During this time, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, by the way, between noon and 3, there are no comments from Jesus. Three hours. Why? Because of this. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? By the way, when you read Psalm 22.1, that's exactly where that comes from. Verbatim. Written thousands of years before. That's exactly what Jesus said. What is that picture? It pictures this. Sin, the penalty of sin, is death. How did this darkness occur? We don't know. But we do know that the land was full of darkness. Now, what did this picture? This pictured exactly this. Think about it. Here's what it pictures. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You see, during those three hours, here's exactly what happened. Jesus Christ was perfect. In today's message from Mark chapter 15, Jesus went to the cross. As he carried the cross beam, another man was ordered to carry it for Jesus. That man eventually came to know him. 
Pastor Mark reminded us that God can take any part of our day and use it unexpectedly for His good. Through the taunts and jeers, Jesus maintained His purpose, even though He could have abandoned the cross at any time. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3164. And the title of this message is Open Access. Come on in. Again, today's message number is MB3164. And the title of this message is Open Access, Come On In. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue to walk through Jesus' experience on the cross and the relief that His sacrifice can offer from our sins. Pastor Mark will exhort us to truly examine how we perceive our own sin and how we also tend to hold on to it We'll come to understand just how great a sacrifice Jesus made, how blessed we are to be able to go boldly before Him. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living.